What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Living Electric. Uh, we've got kind of a forward-looking episode, piggybacking off of our uh, our episode, kind of recapping 2022 and kind of looking at future EV trends for 2023, what we think is going to happen. But we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit today and talk about just some EV technology in general that kind of we've seen you know, articles about or people are touting as the next big thing in EVs and we're going to kind of give our thoughts on those. So yes, we're fast forwarding to the future. Is it going to be this year, <laughs> next year, which year is it going to be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not we're not sure, but I mean all the all the topics that we have on our list have been talked about for many years and um, right. some of them are implemented right now and yeah. uh yeah, I'm excited to dive further into this. Yeah, is there so, one you want to start with? Um, I think wireless charging i think i want to start with that because okay. that that's been touted for many many years <laughs> and i know c companies have come in and out with you know different products you know there's been a lot of talks about like testing like um wireless charging roads like either in europe or like i believe in detroit they have like a test test area for wireless charging yeah i've seen some uh, stuff on that yeah yeah i know we've talked briefly about wireless charging in uh some previous episodes but what are your thoughts on that yeah. So, um, first off, fun facts. Do you, know, right <laughs> do you know where wireless charging was first uh, implemented in like a commercial sense? Uh, phones. No, it wasn't phones no? actually. Oh. Hmm, I'm gonna just go it's off. It's a consumer. It's a consumer. What'd you say? Toothbrushes. You're right. Yeah, it is toothbrushes. Actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So I think oh. it was I think it was Oral B or Braun or like one of those like the major like toothbrush brands that make the electric toothbrushes. That's where it was first implemented. That's crazy that I guessed that. I yeah, it's just kind of a wild guy. <laughs> yeah, I did a I did a video on wow. wireless charging and EVs like a couple of years ago now. Um, but I was researching for it and came across that. I thought that was really interesting that like toothbrushes were where it was first implemented because we think of phones now when we think of wireless charging. Yeah, so. yeah, that's really interesting. So what year was that uh, like invented? Or, oh you know, gosh, I'm not sure. I don't have wiki up in front of up in front of me oh, but yeah. sorry <laughs> um we'll, we'll let people look that up on their own <laughs> um, yes this is not living toothbrush this is living electric, so. <laughs> um but yeah toothbrushes where it was first implemented which is really interesting um as we know today like phones are probably where it's the biggest application right now we've got wireless charging pads we've got wireless charging standards it's all kind of all kind of coming together for phones and smaller electronics. Um, and a lot of people think that can be applied to, you know, big electronics now with EVs. We've got these huge batteries. Wireless charging is kind of the next natural step, I think, in charging. I think it makes a lot of sense for convenience, especially because mm -hmm. I know you and I both, we've tried out a lot of charging stations. Some of them, like, it's hard to even plug in your car, depending on how it's installed or cord lengths or whatever else. And, uh, Wireless charging can make a lot of sense for that. Um, my mind immediately jumps to um, people that are handicapped that might not be able to plug in their car. That's really easy yeah. to just either pull in your garage or pull up to a station. Car just starts charging. You don't even need to get out. So that could be really helpful. Um, so I think the there are some applications where it makes sense. Um, my biggest thing, you know, being an engineer, is the efficiency of wireless charging is significantly less uh than wired charging that's the biggest the biggest you know downside of wireless charging um 
not a, not as big as big a deal in phones obviously you know you can put your phone on the the charging pad it's not a big deal if you lose lose a little bit of energy uh, trying to charge your phone um, you're probably losing like less than a cent of electricity but you know charging a car a lot more power a lot more expensive you're talking you know dollars or ten dollars sometimes depending on the wireless charging application so granted it could go a lot of ways that efficiency can be improved we saw apple with magsafe you know that where it locks yeah. into place and actually centers it up that can improve efficiency a lot um, there's a lot of other things you can do to improve efficiency but that's like that's immediately kind of my my dig at <laughs> wireless charging if you will is <laughs> the efficiency wise it's hard to get around those losses so that's my thoughts at least well so i i do have a, a question regarding that so um I, well, obviously, you know, we're aware of Hevo, uh, Hevo Charge. I believe yeah. that's their full name, or I always just call them Hevo. Um, but, you know, we, I think, well, I was made aware of them before Fully Charge Live and, you know, back in September of 2022. It's so weird to be like, back then. Yeah. But yeah, it was last year. <laughs> but, um, but you know, like, after, like, diving more into, like, their technology and, like, what they're looking to go to market with, um based on like your research have you noticed any efficiency improvements over like the past year like i haven't or like the past few years i haven't really dove too much into it yet so i don't really have a comment on that but i'm just curious if you've seen anything yeah i haven't dug into it too deep and i'm not too too familiar with their like specific product but it's just a kind of a a theoretical limit or a limitation of wireless charging in general like you are never going to reach wired charging efficiency with wireless charging like it's physically impossible granted you know crazier things have been done so <laughs> it could be <laughs> could get to a point where it's hyper efficient it really works well and it you, losses are completely minimal like similar to what you would get through a wire um but right now i don't think the tech is quite there yet but i'm definitely like i'm interested to see where it goes i think there are some some fun applications for it but I mean, there's a reason we still plug our phones in. There's a reason we still plug electronics in. It's because it's the it's the fastest way to charge things, and it's the the best way to charge things right now. Still, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm just like <laughs> I, I definitely I want to get Jeremy from Hevo, you know, their CEO, on our podcast because yeah. I would love to like have a conversation and learn more about it because I I totally agree with you with the accessibility standpoint. Right. Um, right. you know, for for people like we just recently checked out an EVgo station and like the Chatamo, you know, like the blue connector, the cable is thick. Yeah. It's, it's huge. <laughs> and right. and if you have any type of, you know, like maybe like muscle weakness or like any, you know, inability to lift heavy objects, right. you're going to have a very hard time plugging in your vehicle. Yeah. And you know, that's where Tesla really does it right, but like even then you still have to re up to grab a cable yeah so like if you can't do that physically you're kind of you know out of luck so like that's where i really i i i'm excited to see improvements in that aspect where right. it just makes it easier for just everybody especially people who need it for accessibility reasons right right and i'm all about making charging easier i think <laughs> i think as we've seen yes. over the past year <laughs> like making yeah. charging more accessible easier to use is definitely like a big thing so I think any advancements there, I'm definitely open to hearing about, or definitely we need to keep researching. So, yeah, I think the one thing with wireless charging that, like, I get it. Like, if you pull a vehicle onto like a wireless charging pad and it sits there, similar to like what you might be sitting at, like either you know, like a fast charger or a standard charger, then yeah, I'm I'm curious to know how that works. But I, 
I think my only doubts lie with like the um, wireless highways or you know the, like the charging highways. Yeah, I don't fully grasp the idea of you're going seventy miles per hour, you're utilizing electricity to drive. Wouldn't it just cancel each other out? Like I'm not exactly sure how that would work. I'm not an engineer, but like right, I I just from like yeah. a simple mindset, I'm just like oh, that just seems like it would kind of cancel each other out. But, <laughs> right, <you know. laughs> yeah. Usually the biggest, one of the big problems with that is just, like, charging while you're also using something. So, like, batteries are not designed to, like, charge and discharge at the same time, if that makes sense. So, like, yeah, that's yeah. why, like, you're not really supposed to use your phone while it's plugged in, because it's kind of, like, it could be discharging and charging at the same time. There's some weird stuff that goes on. So, yeah, that's usually, like, the part of the problem with that. Um, but with the the roads there's a few ways to do it because there's like we've seen you know electric rail before where like the train gets its power from the rail so there might be like some ways to do that but i think getting something that's like any car could any ev with the like correct standard or whatever could just drive onto this road and instantly like essentially drive under that power it'd be really <laughs> interesting to see but i've got to do some yeah. more research on that i think you said detroit or, or michigan is working on a on a like test patch where they're working on something like that so i'm curious how they're going about it i haven't read up on it too much so yeah that was a long time ago when i read about that so but now i'm yeah. like all i'm picturing is like the turbo patch in mario kart like, <laughs> that's all i'm picturing it's just a mile of just that's what we need yeah <laughs> yeah right rainbow road like yeah <laughs> yeah no i i definitely agree i think i need to dig further into wireless charging before i can like make like an official like comment on it yeah but i want to learn from the people who are involved with it you know like right. people who are day in and day out you know making it better for drivers so right i'm gonna get evo on the podcast yeah so. that'd be, we'll that'd tweet be cool them. to check out <laughs> yeah um so you just got to experience uh fsd beta right so do you want to yes. you want to yeah. talk about uh kind of where we think self-driving is headed or yeah. quote unquote <laughs> full self-driving as i'm calling yeah. it <laughs> yes yes so, so what we first explore well, you i think you when did you experience fsd beta uh it's been a few months now i think it was over the summer one of my one of my buddies has it so i got to ride with him and and t try it out which it did not last long we we, we, were, we turned it off i think within five or six minutes because his wife was in the car and she's like turn that off please <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's great yeah we um we got a chance to experience it in san diego back in september um when we were in uh zach well i'm just gonna give him a shout out because you know he's huge within the ev community uh black model 3 on twitter um, he took us to the airport and it was our first time experiencing it and it was it was rough it you know mm. it was nighttime I don't think the cameras saw very well um, <laughs> but the I and the thing is is you know if you're a Tesla fan you probably know the different versions and my friend Andrew who we rode in his vehicle with this past weekend knows all the versions too so I can't tell you which version we got a chance to ride in but it was the very latest one it wasn't okay it wasn't 11 because I know that's not out yet it was one of the more recent builds Gotcha. And okay. um, it did really well. You know, we we recorded a video for for Everyday EV, and um, I was blown away by how well it did. Like it handled That's very good. complex intersections. Um, it only freaked out one other driver. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, there was two examples where a Camry went around us because it couldn't figure out what we were doing. Um, but it, it it what was most impressive about this is that we there's a four lane road by us that has a, a massive median. In the middle mm. between like each lanes and each each direction is one way 
So, like, you have to, like, you know, like, um, go through the median to get to the other lane. And the Tesla handled it flawlessly. Like, it blew my mind that it did that. Even I struggled trying to go through some of right. those intersections. <laughs> so, I'm like, that's awesome. Now, there were some problems where, you know, like, it lost some lane markings. It couldn't exactly figure out where it was going. It can't read signs right now. It's mainly mm. just going by shapes and colors. So, um, it kind of struggled with some of, like, the more complex intersections. So, to get back to your question about full self-driving, I think we're getting there. But the thing is, is that I don't truly believe that it's going to be just based on camera or, like, a vision setup. There's yeah. going to have to be radar. There's going to have to be LiDAR. There's going to have to be, you know, seamless data connection, you know, streaming GPS coordinates directly to the vehicle at all times. Right. And it's just going to have to be the seamless ecosystem right. to work. Yeah. And we're getting there. You know, like, the technology is getting there. But I don't think it's going to be for a very long time <laughs> yeah 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 i i agree with you there i think definitely on the kind of sensor and camera part it's like i don't think cameras are going to be the only sensor we need for for <laughs> for full self-driving uh case in point i'm sure you've seen it as well you probably keep your car a little bit cleaner than i do but <laughs> my no, car is a... that's a lie <laughs> okay <laughs> recently i was gonna say with all the slush and snow and sleet we've had recently um it's been bad and like anytime i get in the car even after i wipe off the cameras like as soon as i take another drive all the cameras are cloudy like anytime i use my backup camera it's just like covered in sleet and gross (laughs) stuff so it's like quickly just getting covered in stuff and it's like yeah i don't think like as soon as a sensor goes bad you're kind of screwed like that is your one way to see it's like being blind like yeah yeah <laughs> like you can't drive if you can't see so that yeah. part is a concern um but also just like the weird mistakes sometimes on on regular autopilot i see like random phantom braking or like it'll think a lane is going this way or that way and it's like still all these things need supervision which i think is is fine it's still a good tool like i use it all the time but uh I don't think like anytime soon it's going to get to the point where it's like, you don't have to touch the wheel, like, (laughs) and you don't have to pay attention. Like I know some of these are uh, like Ford's blue cruise. Like some of these others are getting to the point where they're like, you don't need to touch the wheel, but you still need to keep your eyes on the road. So it's like, all right, like we're kind of getting there. But I mean, my favorite thing is the, the compilations people have made of, Elon Musk saying, oh, yeah, we'll have full self-driving coast-to-coast by the end of next year. (laughs) And he's been saying it for, (laughs) like, seven years straight. So Yes, yeah. It's like, I think when I kind of first got into the industry and first, like, uh, started following Tesla, like, I wanted to believe it. But I'm like, I think we're both at the point. (laughs) Like, I don't know about that. (laughs) Yeah, So yeah. I, you know, I was I was working for Tesla when they came out with the model, the, like the refresh Model S with all the cameras, right. yeah. and they said that this this computer is going to be able to handle full self driving. And they're like, you know, recently, well, we're working on another full self driving, another computer, computer. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like I, I know that stuff is hard to develop. It's right. it's very hard. But like at some point, it's just like just be like to be announced <laughs> tba yeah. yeah yeah but you know you, you mentioned blue cruise and i do want to highlight we have experience with super cruise you know gm's hands-free right. cruise control and well so we have experience with super cruise light that's what i call it because the bolt euv doesn't have the same full, uh super cruise suite that like the hummer ev does and like some of the more high-end gm products oh okay so there it wasn't um it was more like an adaptive 
cruise control setup with like lane keep assist, you could still keep your hands off the wheel. Yeah. It did very well, but the thing that bothered me the most is that it would turn off without any warning. Like it would just like because oh. on the steering wheel there's like a string of LED lights, and when right. it's green, that means it's on. When it's blue, that typically means like it's still centering itself or like you're going into a different lane. And then when it's red, that means you have to take control. But it literally will just flash red and turn off immediately without any warning. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't have your hands on the wheel, it's, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it'll get there. Things will get better. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting. I mean, it's it's such a moving target, too, because, like, as soon as you fix one problem, another one pops up. It's, like, it's a really hard <laughs> yes. problem to solve. And, like, the world is messy, and things are constantly changing. Road markings are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, like, the uh, – what did you say? Like, did you say car communication, too? Like, with the other cars? Yes. Like, telling – yeah. So yeah. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my senior capstone project was actually working on kind of uh, learning about that standard for vehicle to vehicle communication. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. So we basically like read the whole standard, like looked into it all. Um, and our goal was to basically do some sort of security attack on the system that like went between the two cars. And it's like, we were not at that point yet because we were undergrad students. So, <laughs> so we basically made this like little animation that showed we could like basically send a signal from some random spot on the road telling these two cars that there's a random car like in the middle of the intersection or the middle of the road they're trying to go to. So like it wasn't physically there, but in their computer systems, they would recognize it as a car there. So that's interesting. Yeah. So you could kind of like spoof a real car being sitting in the road thinking that it was there. Um, Yeah. But exactly what you said, basically there's a standard that says, uh, vehicle to vehicle it's basically like your cell phone is constantly blasting out like its coordinates its steering wheel position its speed like all of this stuff so you know exactly where the car is now where it might be headed where the wheel is pointing like all of this stuff so you get a lot of really cool information to see uh like what type of vehicle is headed towards you or near you even though it you might not physically see it which i think is crazy like (laughs) wow I think that's really, that's... like, when we'll get to future mode where it's like, you know, we have planes flying around that can't see through the fog, like, physically, yeah. but know where all the yeah. other planes are. Like, that is the point we need to get to. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. the problem that's is amazing. you can do that in the air pretty easily because there's not a lot of other stuff in the air. <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like you need those you still need those maps like as soon as somebody walks across the road there they might be in danger if it's foggy like all of this stuff can get really complicated but i think highways maybe could get to the point where that's where we're at but i still yeah. think city driving is just so hard to solve so like, complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean like you know we have like crews and like waymo who are doing like very good jobs like i like when i was in phoenix uh last year um, I got a chance to see some of the Waymo like iPaces driving around. Oh, it was nice! So cool. Like they they were doing very like very well for like being in a congested downtown metro area. I was pretty pretty impressed with that. But I mean, I think we should do a whole episode about connected vehicles because yeah, like, as you mentioned, the cybersecurity issue could be a big right. problem <laughs> for full self driving car. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, we can, we'll, we'll find a cybersecurity professional. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get somebody. <laughs> right. Yes. 
So, what are your thoughts on? I'm looking at the list. Um, <laughs> let's talk about plug and charge. Let's okay. jump back to charging. Yeah. Um, because I think we should also talk about roaming across different charging networks and like having access through. I'm I'm assuming essentially like one mobile app that would right. allow you to initialize a charge on mul multiple networks. Right. Yeah. So, have you, you used roaming at all before when you've been um, charging? So. I've used, I've activated a charge point station using EVgo. Okay. Like EVgo's app before, um, but that was it. Um, okay. But like I, I've, I've seen where they have like the different networks listed within their mobile apps. Yeah. That's essentially all roaming is right now is the, all of these networks kind of have agreements in place where it's like, hey, we will agree to list your stations on our app as long as you do the same on your app. So it's kind of um you scratch my back i'll scratch yours situation <laughs> so it's kind of just a, I don't know there's not really there's some gain from it on both sides so networks are incentivized to do it the uh i'm hoping that's not the future where we have like oh there's like 30 different apps and just choose your favorite network or the app yeah. you like best <laughs> then they yeah. have roaming agreements <laughs> with everybody and you can use activate any station from there like i'd like stations to be a lot easier to use than that <laughs> so <laughs> I think the I think roaming is gonna kind of slowly go away as we get into full plug and charge, which is gonna be like I've talked about it before the full vehicle to to charger communication. You got vehicle to grid communication. Like a lot of stuff is on that standard, mm -hmm. and it just it just makes things significantly easier. You don't even have to swipe a credit card or like you basically just tie your credit card to your car and then your car tells the station what to charge or what what payment method to use so way simpler i think that's definitely the direction we're headed in terms of uh timeline for that i think it's still probably five or more years out till everybody's using it yeah. but that's just me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think we're gonna start yeah. seeing it next year like this year though 2023 yeah yeah, I, I really hope that, you know, we start seeing, like, network, like, um, you know, like, manufacturers of, like, charging stations start implementing that engineering standard at their yeah. stations. I mean, like, I know EVgo kind of has that workaround with their auto charge, and it actually works. We've we've used auto charge about five times now, and every single time it's been 100% success. Isn't it great? And yeah. it, <laughs> it normally starts a charge in under 30 seconds, um, which is, it, it's amazing. So yeah. I just hope that like these other manufacturers and networks who make it super complicated to start a charge start jumping on board. Um, right. But then the the auto makers need to start doing the same things too. Um, but like if EVgo can do it with like a list of vehicles that technically do not have that plug and charge standard, you know, like the Ionic Five and the EV Six, what's stopping the rest of the other networks from doing that? So right. I, I just simplicity and things that are just reliable <laughs> and work. I'm I'm a big fan of. <laughs> yeah. So And I yeah. think you're exactly right with the uh the the vehicle OEMs need to get on board and be like, hey, our vehicles support this and I think just as consumers, as car buyers need to be educated that like if this car doesn't have this feature, then like charging is going to be difficult <laughs> moving yes. forward. Like it's still gonna yeah. be a pain in the ass. So <laughs> yeah. well the uh, thing is is Oh good. Sorry, Alex. There, uh, I think just having that ability in the app to link your credit card, link your payment method, or whatever to your physical car, like that's gonna be that's gonna be really valuable. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I like you know, like you mentioned, like I really hope 
that they start jumping on board you know like and the thing is is that like a lot of these evs are so new for manufacturers that they like in oems that they want to receive feedback from consumers so you know for example like the ionic 5 didn't have battery preconditioning for 2022 Mm. and it does for 2023 because enough people responded and complained about slow charging rates (laughs) right so they (laughs) they have it now for the new vehicles but 2022 will receive a software update to allow for battery preconditioning oh good um, okay before fast charging so it's like if you provide that feedback to the oems hopefully they'll listen and start implementing that like yeah yeah but um yeah in terms of like roaming and like having it just be housed under one app I really hope we get there as well. But <laughs> as we know from working in the industry, all these businesses like to do their own thing, you right. know, and if you want to do it ethically in, you know, in terms of getting access to a network's data, you're going to have to work directly with them. And yeah. some companies do not really respond <laughs> well to that. But let's right. just hope it gets there. <laughs> I have a feeling, honestly, I do have a feeling the federal government will step in and start saying that like if this is how we're moving forward you can still be a private business and make money but you need to allow access to your data in some you know form so that is a requirement for a lot of the nevi funds Mm -hmm. is for any new charger going in like you need to provide data to the state agency which in most cases is the state department of transportation that's going to list it somewhere i'm not sure where but (laughs) they're going to at least have access yeah (laughs) they're at least going to have access to that data so that'll be good yeah Um, yeah but yeah i think the right direction right and i think a lot of vehicle oems are going to head the direction of ford's like blue oval network Mm. where it's like it's not a physical network which i think confuses a lot of people which is i still think it's a little disingenuous to say it's like the largest ev charging network (laughs) which is like (laughs) uh, kind of (laughs) (laughs) um where basically you would just if you do need to use the app to activate charges you're going to do it through the the vehicle app where it's like all right i'm at this charger i need to activate Mm -hmm. this station like i'll do it through my car's app so yeah Again, I think yeah. cutting down on apps is a good thing, but I think these these networks are still gonna <laughs> these networks and kind of we're still gonna have to have some some interoperability somewhere. So. Oh yes, yeah, it, it'll get there. I just yep. I'm having flashbacks of using the My Chevy app in the Bolt and like starting things <laughs> through Apple CarPlay, and it yeah. worked, and then they revoked it. So I'm not sure what happened there. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm not yep. sure. Yeah. I will say car apps as a whole like need to get way better <laughs> if this is the direction uh, yes. we're headed. headed. Yeah, and, and I will say after being a Tesla owner for almost a year, Tesla needs to really work on their app as well in terms of like when the vehicle actually connects to the app. I don't know if you have the issue, but I always run into the issue where it takes forever for the vehicle to wake up mm. and provide like an update to the app. It drives me nuts. Like it takes me like 10 minutes to precondition my vehicle. Oh, so. really? It takes forever. So I don't know if there's something going on with our vehicle or what, but is that yeah. everywhere or just when you're at home? Every, it's when I'm at home, out you know, at Costco, for example, but you know, That's just really out and about. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually have that issue at home because sentry mode is off, so like the vehicle's asleep, it's not doing oh. anything, so it <laughs> takes longer to connect to it. Yeah. But yeah, out and about generally it's not too bad. But you're right, like sometimes I'll be walking like out of the store or like out of the parking lot. I want to click the precondition button and then it like it won't connect to the car and I get to yes. a cold car. So <laughs> total yeah, first we'll, world problems. I don't know how we're gonna survive. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We'll do a whole episode on connected vehicles. I think that that would be a really cool one. <laughs> Definitely. 
Definitely. Yeah. Hmm. So what should we talk about now? I think uh, solar-powered EVs I have some thoughts on. Um, okay. I'm curious yeah. your thoughts first, though. Like, why – this is a question I get all the time. Is like, why doesn't – why don't they start putting solar panels on top of EVs? Like, yeah. why? Yeah. <laughs> why? We've got solar well, power. we got electric cars. Make it work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I guess my opinion about solar-powered vehicles, like, I don't think that solar solar panels should be – fully relied on to charge the like the high voltage battery pack like i under like uh, well i'm gonna say that in in simple ways you know like the main battery pack like i understand if like solar was used to keep the vehicle cool on a hot summer day or you know like to power like the um you know the um the the uh the auxiliary thank you the accessories or you know yeah you know what i'm trying to say like you know like the radio and like some of the other electronics i'm struggling it's late um (laughs) but like i understand like that kind of implementation but like i don't necessarily know if we're at the point where solar panels are efficient enough to charge your vehicle as quick as it would be to plug your vehicle in overnight you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you could leave your car sitting out for eight hours throughout the day and you would go from, you know, 10 to 80% or something like that. Like, right. I just, I don't yeah. know how that, how that would work, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's something like I've thought about, it would be cool to retrofit on my own car. Cause there's some times where it's like, oh, I'm going to my family's house or I'm going somewhere where I don't have like great level two charging. It would be great hmm. just to be able to like trickle charge my car without plugging it in. Like yeah. <laughs> as soon as I put it in park, <laughs> it just charges based on the solar panels. Um, and I've done some, you mentioned the light year one in the, uh, in the pre-show and our, uh, I looked into that before I did a video on that car and like theoretically you might not have to plug that vehicle in ever if you're parking your car outside all the time and like you're just using it for commuting like there are I think some some situations where solar on top of cars makes sense um in some background like the the reason we don't put them on cars now is because generally the it's like a cost benefit thing generally it costs way more to put solar on a car like it would probably add 10 to 15,000 like on top of the car which sounds way more than it should be for just like a little solar panel but like the electronics to integrate it like the engineering work that goes into it just like a lot of work to get this small little thing that might trickle charge your car if you have it sitting outside might like (laughs) might give you an extra like two or three miles an hour in the direct sunlight so (laughs) like very very small based on how much like surface area is on the car so um but yeah it's something i think it would be cool to have as like an option though i think for people that want like it's definitely something i would i would check out as like an energy and electrical nerd so (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah i think they look cool i mean i definitely think that they would have their purpose i just don't know if the panels are efficient enough like that, that, I guess that was more of an extreme example that I mentioned of like doing like an overnight charge. But yeah. if you can get 50 miles, if your vehicle's sitting out, that essentially would cover most people's commute, you right. know? Right, Yeah. But I, I just like, I think for me, I still am so, like I'm learning so much about like solar and like, you know, like how energy production works and like, you know, energy efficiency that like I don't have an opinion or at least the knowledge <laughs> to provide an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm just kind of going based off of what I've previously seen. But right. all those implementations have been from, like, old Priuses and, like, Nissan Leafs and stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, because the Prius or Nissan Leaf, didn't one of them have like a solar panel that powered, like kept the cabin yeah. cool, like when it was hot yeah. out or something? Yeah. Yeah, the Leaf did, um, Leaf, and I think okay. the 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 new Prius that they just announced will have a solar roof as well. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, to do things like that. And actually, I do know that the um, Sonata Hybrid, not here in the United, actually no, I think here in the United States, you can get a solar roof to charge the battery pack. Um, mm. Even though it's not like a plug-in, it would still at least charge the battery pack on board. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a time there's a place for it. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So right. longer range EVs. Do you think <laughs> we need to go a thousand miles on a full charge? Yes, I'm. I'm yeah. towing a uh, <laughs> a hundred thousand pound RV. I need to. <laughs> I need to yeah. be able to tow it. Um, yeah. This I thought of this like right before we started the show, but like do we need longer range evs like i think we've seen with tesla like they could make a longer range car they just aren't mm -hmm. so like and they're smart there's a reason they're not making a longer range car it's because people are currently buying the cars that have the range they do right now and i think a lot of people like myself included like get an ev and realize how little you actually utilize the battery pack unless you're taking mm -hmm. a long road trip like day to day like my battery pack hovers like mallory's taking to work now but like it hovers between uh 75 and 90 percent like most of the time <laughs> i'm only using like that much of the battery when i could yeah. like like it's sitting on this huge battery so i think i'm curious of where you fall on this of like how much range is enough range and like are we gonna see like almost different classes of cars where it's like i mean we've already seen that where you can get like the long range version or the like the standard range version like we're already seeing that mm -hmm. but like how long are those long range versions gonna get if that makes yeah. sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i kind of take it from the perspective that it's not exactly about how, or it's not how far you can drive it should be about how fast you can charge how fast can you refuel mm. your vehicle? Because if you really, if you look at like the market, for example, like I think people really, they, they look at EVs and they go, oh, 250 miles is not enough. But if you look at like, for example, like the BMW 3 Series plug-in, the max range with gas and electric is 320 miles combined, which is not, that's less than a Model 3 long range. Right. <laughs> so, you know, but like, I, I think for some people, they don't necessarily look at it in that aspect. They look at it in the fueling aspect. So I, I think if your vehicle can go 500 plus miles, but it can only charge at a certain rate, that's going to change your entire experience. Sure, you can drive, but when you stop at a charger, is it going to take an hour and a half? You know, or is it going to take 20 minutes? So I, I kind of take it from that perspective. And I think what people really need to do is just experience it. I think, like, as you mentioned, you get into an EV and you think, oh, 350 miles. Yeah, that's a good number. And then as you start driving, you're like, oh, my God, I'm only using like 5, 10% of my range, <laughs> you know, typically right. on average. Yeah. So um, I think it's just a matter of experience. But I don't, I, I don't necessarily think we need to start seeing 600 plus mile range EVs. I think the sweet spot is between 300 and 500, but even the 250s are less, not extremely less. The Mini Cooper, 114 miles, that is a bit if he can <laughs> absolutely do it. Yeah. But I think the bare, bare minimum has to be around 250. 
And then I think people would be comfortable. That's almost what a Honda Civic can do. You know, Honda Civic still maxes out at about 300 miles range, um, but you can fuel up in five minutes. So right. that's where it's like the trade-off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. Yeah. I'm in complete agreement. And I didn't even think about that perspective. So thanks for bringing that up because yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking on my end, like my answer would be like, oh yeah, like we definitely want longer range cars, but you, I mean, great points that like the why do we why are people wanting longer range cars it's because they think charging is going to take longer or mm -hmm. they are concerned about charging like that is a function of the charging network it is not a like <laughs> function of cars because if you yeah. ask most people how much range they can get on their gas car they a might not know or b might like it's probably pretty comparable to some of the evs on the market so i think you're exactly right. Like <laughs> we've got to kind of reframe that conversation in a way to be like, Hey, yeah, these cars can, can go as far as you need them to go. The charging network just needs to, you know, keep up. And if yeah. it is a lower range car, car makers need to design them with faster charging in mind. So, yes. I mean, yeah. case in point, the, the Ionic five and EV six, like both extremely fast charging cars, but I think both have like around 300 miles of range. Like they're no yep. crazy long range cars, but great for road tripping still because they've got super fast charging so yeah or is it yeah. ultra fast i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we're gonna say that in every episode <laughs> i think it's hyper i think it's hyper fast <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> but yeah that's just like the perspective i i take like i think if people started taking their like especially if they're new to an ev or they're shopping for an ev go look at your gas vehicle see what the range is if your vehicle shows you in like a number you know yeah. the full tank and compare it to what the ev you're shopping at you know and just just be mindful because your vehicle you'd be surprised at how far these vehicles can drive and another argument i always bring up too how many times do you drive nine ten hours straight so you don't you know i mean yeah. you will at some <laughs> point i'm sure but like the majority of people they don't drive that long so right I, yeah it's that's such a tough thing i don't know i i think like if it allows people to feel comfortable with getting an ev sure let's bring out longer range evs i don't think it's fully necessary <laughs> yeah the yeah. the few reasons i think it's necessary is what you just mentioned is just getting people comfortable with them i think as mm -hmm. soon as people drive a super long range ev and they're like oh i never use more than i never go below 200 miles it's like <laughs> it's like getting a big battery on like a phone or a laptop you're like oh i just leave my laptop plugged in all the time it doesn't even drop below 80 <laughs> percent so it's like um similar kind of thing is just reframing a conversation around like what is your charging or fueling situation like yeah um because i think people see that you know oh my tank has 450 miles but you're like okay but you're still stopping you know every two weeks to go to the gas station and fuel up your car. Whereas like with an EV, you never have to go to the gas station and your tank never drops below, you know, uh, what? 280 miles yeah. <laughs> on the, on the range meter or whatever. So yeah. I think it's just yeah. kind of framing that conversation. Um, yeah. but the second thing would be, you know, towing is still a, a mm. factor as well. So yeah. I think if you are somebody, we say this in all our shows is like, buy the ev that fits your lifestyle so like if you are somebody that's towing or live in really cold temperatures with all of these things that really affect ev range i think having that buffer helps a ton so i think you're right mm -hmm. like the 500 end is super helpful because even if you're towing it's cold all that stuff you're still even if it drops in half you're still at 250 so like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean you're still exactly. getting the job done yeah 
Yeah, I mean, no, that's a great point. You know, like, um, especially, like, if, like, semi-trucks, for example. Like, I know that's not, like, a light-duty vehicle. and But, like, yeah, that, that makes sense for long-range EVs. But, yeah, if you have, like, an F-150 Lightning, you know, towing, I don't know, like, a 5,000-pound trailer or something like that, you're going to want as much range as you can, you know, right. as you can get. <laughs> Definitely. So. Yeah. Well. I like I like that conversation. That was a yeah. good one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. All right, you want to do any more? Or you want to wrap up here? I know we're forty minutes mm. in right now, so. Yeah. No, I think I think we're good. Okay. I I, I do want to I do want to put it on the audience and see if they <laughs> have any ideas for future EV technology, any opinions on the conversations we've had today. Definitely would love to hear about them, and hopefully we can cover them in a future episode. Emphasis on future. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to hear from you, and we'll catch you in the next episode.